Well, there's been some um, great questions through the last couple of months on the theme of um, different various themes. And today, um, our question for today is, where is your brother? Now, this could go a whole lot of directions. And uh, I'm just trusting the Lord to have the tiller and navigate through here this morning. But I just want to begin this morning by um, just quickly um, in Gen- starting in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3, um, we have the story of the fall of this beautiful creation of God, humanity. God had created the planet and everything in it, and he had created Adam and Eve. And in Genesis chapter 3, we have the sad story of them losing their place of grace and their place of, of relationship with their heavenly Father. In Genesis 4, we have the story of the first family. And I, I think this is incredibly significant because as we um, just think about this in the um, broader context, the story of humanity begins creation, the creation of Adam and Eve, made in God's image, their fall, and then in Genesis 4, the beginning of their journey um, without this intimate relationship and, and close presence of God, and the, in, in their fallen state, we have the beginning of the first family. And so what I want to do quickly this morning is um, just um, put up um, Genesis 4, if we could, Aria. Because family, even though it begins with a bit of a tragic story here, um, there is still, uh, in the heart of God, family is still at the core of God's plan for humanity. It's still his number one um, project in the earth, building a family. And of course, we as made in his image are all involved in some way in family building. And so family is just so critical. Uh, And here we read in Genesis chapter 4, Now Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again. And this time, his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain, in his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. The Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And we'll end there. Some interesting aspects in this little story. Two sons, both bringing an offering to the Lord. I don't know how they knew to even do that. There's no record 
of how they actually had this desire in their heart to bring an offering to the Lord. But one offers from the fruit of his work, which is growing things from the earth. Is that a great thing to do and a great gift from God? Yes, it is. And Abel, he's a keeper of sheep and he brings an offering to the Lord of his flock. And God is, um, appreciates this offering of Abel from the flock. Now we can speculate around the reasons why the ground offering, and of course it does go to the fact that Abel offered um, that which was um, typifying and symbolic of the coming Lamb of God who would be offered. But beyond that, um, these two sons brought an offering to the Lord. Cain is very upset that Abel has favor in his offering. And uh, they, he has a conversation with his brother about it. And the result is he ends up killing his brother. Isn't it ironic that what was meant to be a celebration, an offering, offerings to the Lord, turns into a tragedy and one brother dies and God has to come and says, say, where is your brother? And Cain's tragic reply, am I my brother's keeper? I somehow think that God's respect for Abel's offering was not only just that it was a blood offering or a, a sacrifice of an animal, but it was also the fact that there was something in Cain's character and life that God could not respect. It was more than about an offering. It was about Cain and the way he had approached God. His consequent sin and his unrepented attitude resulted in tragic consequences for Cain, which you can read about. And of course, to the question that God answered, do you know where is your brother? Did he know where his brother was? Yes, he surely did. And did God expect him to be his brother's keeper? Yes, he surely did. And uh, I actually think now as we just leap into this whole thing of where is my brother, does God have, is there some responsibility on every one of us for our brother? And I think that's a question perhaps that we would all be maybe pondering as we just go through the, some thoughts around that today. Because I believe God asks me and he asks you the same question. Where is your brother? Over the years, I've watched with great sadness as many sincere Christians have become involved in disputes over interpretation of Scripture and taken offense and parted company. It's a tragic thing. Um, no longer in fellowship and isolated from one another. If we can understand today that we're born into God's family and our connection to God is not based on correct doctrines about the rapture, about the second coming of Christ, about the tribulation, um, but on our adoption as sons. Our adoption as sons and our connection to one another is not primarily doctrinal. It's primarily family. And by birth, it's by birth into the family of God. Then our whole thinking changes. Yes, there are some essential beliefs about Christianity that we would all hold 
that are non-negotiable. You just can't be a Christian without them. But there's so many things that the church has put to the fore and divided over, which are non-essentials. They're preferences. And so most of the divisions in Christianity today are over non-essential preferences and interpretations of Scripture. When my insistence on defending a preference and a certain doctrinal perspective results in dividing the family, I've grieved the Spirit of God. If I'm willing to sacrifice the relationship because I think I'm right, I've divided the family of God. We may win the argument but lose a brother. It's not about who's right, but about what's right. And I say today, yes, we are loving and caring for each other than he is about our doctrines and our personal interpretations of Scripture. He cares more that your brother is not with you than he does about whether you are correctly 100% aligned with his with in, in doctrine. So I sometimes think if Jesus were right here now, he might well ask us, where is your brother? And I guess as all of us reflect on life, we all have situations where we have divided or parted company from other believers over things that we look back now with greater knowledge and greater understandings and go, oh dear, that was not good. <laughs> Where is my brother? And we may have some things to repair. Um, Genesis 42 to 45 tells a fascinating story of Joseph and his being sold as a slave into Egypt and uh, eventually rising through um, some terrible experiences in Egypt to become the ruler of Egypt. And then, as the story goes on, Joseph's brothers, who had sold him into slavery, come to Egypt to buy grain, not knowing that their brother, whom they'd sold into slavery, was now the ruler over Egypt. And uh, Joseph recognizes them instantly. They don't recognize him. He's so much an Egyptian now. But they, he recognizes them. And to test their sincerity, he, asks, he says to them, you must bring your youngest brother, Benjamin, um, to me to prove that they are genuine. And the verse I want to highlight from the story, it's just too big to read this morning. But, but he says to them, you will not see my face unless you bring your brother. And they go home and they tell their father. And of course, Jacob is heartbroken that he's already lost one son from this family. Um, and his brother Benjamin, he's reluctant to let him go. But Judah speaks to him in Genesis 43.3. And that's just the one we'll put up on the screen this morning. But, the ma but his, Judah says to his father, he says, The man solemnly warned us, saying, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. I wonder, sometimes in our approach to the Lord, that we are beating on heaven's doors in prayer and all kinds of ways. And the Lord really has said to us, and we may need to understand this, you shall not see my face 
unless your brother is with you. And I believe that Jesus verifies this quite powerfully when he says this, that um, when you bring in Matthew 5, 23 to 24, he says, when you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. Isn't that, isn't that quite challenging? That the Lord actually says, hey, it's great to see you and I love that you've come, but there's something that concerns me even beyond the beauty of the gift and the love and the worship you bring, where is your brother? And Jesus brings this clear instruction, go your way and be reconciled and be in harmony and then come again and bring your brother. And the heart of God will be so blessed. You know, um, we can't assume that we can live with brothers offended and have full fellowship with God. I think it's just that simple. We just have this priority to care for those around us and to take care of one another. You know, it's not an optional extra. And uh, we will not enter into the fullness of God's plan in our own lives unless we, we build the broken relationships and repair them and come together as brothers and sisters into the presence of God. Psalm 133 simply says that God commands a blessing where the brethren dwell in unity. You know, there's just some powerful keys in this um, penetrating question. Romans 14 just tells us about um, the whole question of over food and, the, and, and Christian liberty and some could eat food offered to idols and some couldn't, their conscience wouldn't allow them. And Paul just summarizes it all. And he says this, um, that really the summation of Romans chapter 14, and it's a great chapter to read about Christian liberty and how we have a responsibility to care for others. He simply says sometimes we may need to abstain from things that we have freedom before God to do, but because of our brother, we will not do. I just want to touch on one really, really quickly here. You know, look, um, for years and years and years, living in Moirewa, I would never have a drink. I would never touch alcohol in any way whatsoever. And you all may say, well, that was good. <laughs> you should never anyway. But I think, actually, in Scripture, there's probably liberty for me to have a wine or have a beer, just not too many. But what I did was I chose never to have one all the years of ministry, because I knew I was in a community that struggled with alcoholism. And many, many people struggled with excesses in alcohol. So my modeling was, I will not stumble any brother who's coming out of that scene by having a drink. I just won't do it. Because I must take care of my brother. So there's some things in the Christian life that we do to take care of one another, even though we have freedom to do them. There's many, many places in the New Testament where Jesus actually highlights this whole area of caring for our brother. The story of the Good Samaritan. Um, Jesus tells a story to illustrate the heart that he wants in his people, 
that they care about those that are broken, those that have been wounded, those that are um, being chewed up by, you know, bad choices and, and they're just, their lives are in, in a terrible mess. You know, somehow as Christians, we cannot pass them by. We just have this responsibility to help and reach out a hand of love and care for those that are broken and needing and, and, and broken in our communities all around us. When Jesus said this, you know, when you visited your brother in prison or you visited someone in prison, in prison you visited me. There's this mandate right through the New Testament that we have this incredible responsibility and privilege to love and care for our brother and so model truly what the kingdom of God is like. You know, um, every way we can. Um, and I just want to, time goes so fast, it's incredible. I've got the timer on me too, ladies, so don't, <laughs> don't think you were <laughs> victimized there. <laughs> All right, but I wanted to say this. Um, you know, early in my Christian experience, I came into the kingdom of God and found this whole new amazing family. Did you have that? The brothers and sisters in Christ. And this great love, this simple faith, this relationships with all these amazing people. And enjoyed that in innocence and in purity. And then somewhere along the line, a slow but supple shift began to happen. And relationships began to be based on beliefs and thinking, on doctrines. And slowly the divisions start to happen. Oh, they believe that. Well, oh, they believe that, you know. And I moved away from that first simplicity of birth into a family, into thinking and connecting on the basis of agreement over doctrine and thinking in the Christian life. I'd fought, I fell into that. And, uh, and you know, and, and so we have manifesting in our culture still, though I am, Vicky and I are on a mission through our region to unite and bring churches together. But we still have the denominationalism um, through our nation. And yes, it's important to belong to a local church, but never on the basis that it's better than the one down the road that it's more correct, that it's more right, that it's, I'm there because they're right and we're right. No, we're there because God wants us in a family and he wants us in a place where we can be accountable and responsible and grow in relationship building and love and care. That's why we're in different church groups, not because we're right, but because Jesus is right and he calls us into family. But in that journey I, found, journey, I found my life growing narrower and narrower. And then a little bit of pride creeps in. You know what? God had to arrest me and bring revelation to my life. And I'm so grateful that he does. Because we have literally thousands of expressions of Christianity who all believe they're right. Tragic. But there's one way that is right. Sonship. We're born into a family primarily as Christians. We are born into a family. And when the first words 
of the Father in Jesus as he begins his life, mission, and journey in Matthew 3, 16 and 17. And this passage has become very, very um, powerful in my own life. That when Jesus, when he had been baptized, this is Jesus at the Jordan. Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Here's the starting point for Jesus' ministry. He hasn't healed anybody. He hasn't preached. He hasn't done any ministry. But he starts with the approval of his Father. Not based on what he's done, but based on his position as a son. I want to say that that revelation absolutely transformed my life. That my approval before God rested on one single thing. His unconditional love for me as a son born into his family. And my self-worth, my value, and everything about me rested not on anything I've ever done or will ever do but on His love for me and bringing me into the kingdom of God. I love that Maverick City song, the line that says, I can't be more loved than I am right now. Amen? Every one of us, you can't be loved any more than you are right now. And when we begin to then recalibrate our lives to this one powerful truth that we are born into a family, we are sons and daughters of God, we are loved because He set His love upon us and He chose us, we are chosen and we are called. And Hebrews um, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, if you've heard me say these verses again before, then I don't mind saying them again. Because I think they're so powerful. But it just says in Hebrews chapter 1, it says, God, who at various times and various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us, how? By His Son. So the Son is the ultimate revelation of God. He's the final revelation of God. And He is everything that God is. There's nothing more to be said. When we understand the Son, we understand everything. And so God's spoken to us. That's His final word. A Son. My Son. Because He calls us into the same relationship as sons and as daughters. God speaks to us in the context of a father speaking to his sons and daughters. Do you know John's Gospel the word father appears 105 times and the son 58 times. Amazing. Luke's gospel, the father appears, the word father is used 36 times and the son 82 times. God's saying something. He's talking about family. He's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ, walking together, loving one another valuing one another, 
drawing from the amazing gifts and, and talents in each other. I will never get there without you. And you won't get there without your brother and your sister. We will not see his face fully without one another because he shines through each one of us in a unique way. And we'll see him fully as we learn to see him in every single one. There's so many passages in the New Testament that talk about this, about family. Galatians 4, haven't got time for it. But we just, um, I just know this question, where is my brother? It's so important for us. But I want you to not go out today thinking that Howie's just beating us up, you know, <laughs> about some broken relationship or, or stuff like that. I want you to go out knowing today that you're born into a family. And the only thing you need a treasure in the body of Christ more than any other is relationship with one another. And build relationships because we're in the same family. I thank the Lord that I now understand. My theology used to go like this. Believe right, behave right, and then you can belong. Believe the right things, behave well, and then we might let you in. But I came to see that the path of the kingdom of God is first you belong. You're invited in. You don't have to be anything special. You come as you are into the family. Begin to be loved on, valued, spoken positively and encouragingly over. And out of that grows a deepening belief of the goodness of God, His kindness that's leading me deeper and deeper into repentance. And out of that, believing comes the capacity to behave. Flip it on its head. Because the church for so long has the message the other way around. When we go out and begin to befriend people, love on them, care for them, they're outside the kingdom. But are they a brother? Yes. Yes. They might be a brother in the family of the Lord yet, but they're still a brother. They're simply another brother and sister for whom Christ died. And if we can reflect that and love on them, they'll begin to believe because they see the love, the care, and the concern flowing out from the heart of sons and daughters who know they're loved, that we don't have to be anything, prove anything. We're just loved because we're in the family of God. So surely the mandate to bring where is our brother extends beyond the household of God, but to all those not yet in the family. So the question's big. <laughs> where is your brother? For every one of us. But I'm so excited that the grace of God has made a way. He pours his love into our heart so that we can love and reach our world. And uh, I just encourage you, you might want to think some more. And 
I know there's a whole lot of other things in this question, but those are some things for me to think about today. You know, it's just a wonderful blessing to know we're loved, know God has called us into relationship with himself, and to know that we've been born into a family, not on the basis of anything we have ever done. And I just want to ask you that a couple of questions today as we close. First one is, if you've not yet been uh, experienced the joy of connecting into the family of God, becoming uh, and knowing that you're a son and daughter of God, God wants to invite you into his family. If you're here today and you, you have not yet taken that step and just said, man, I, I want to experience what the, the, this relationship with a heavenly father. I want to come into the family of God. Then God invites you in today. And he simply just says, if you will simply um, reach out from your heart and say, Lord, would you come into my life? Lord, I know that I'm not coming in because of any goodness in myself. In fact, I've done a lot of bad stuff. All of us have walked that path knowing that we weren't really worthy of God's love or favor. But God made a way through the cross. He made a way through Jesus. And he invites us to come to the cross, receive forgiveness. Jesus died there that we might be cleansed and washed from our sin. And he invites you today to come into the family of God. By the sacrifice of Jesus at the Calvary, you can be washed clean. You can come into an amazing relationship with the family of God, with God your heavenly Father, and become part of the family of God. Just one other thing. <laughs> Sorry, Ruth. I'm in the red, I know. Um, hey, where is my brother? I just want to bring you this last one thing. Where is my brother? The Lord's speaking to you today about a broken relationship, about some needy person you've walked past and just, uh, I'm not going to help them. It's their fault. They're in that mess. But the Holy Spirit said to you today, where is your brother? And you feel some conviction today about there's people you need to build, repair relationships with or um, within family, within uh, marriage, within all kinds of ways, um, broken, our needy world around us. Then I want to just challenge you as we sing this last song, where is my brother? You make your response to God as we sing.